I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2020 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series supported by AgriSolutions. In today's program, we take a look at some of the trends that have shaped the last year-plus in strip-till, including berm-building strategies, nutrient management practices, and technology adoption. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you will be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to AgriSolutions. AgriSolutions is the market leader in wearable parts, components, accessories, and solutions for tillage, seeding, planting, fertilizing, hardware, and inventory management solutions. Improve performance and durability with a wide range of in-field solutions to advance your strip-till system. To learn more about AgriSolutions and their three main brands, Belota, Ingersoll, and Trinity Logistics, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. While results of the 7th Annual Strip-Till Operational Practices Benchmark Study evaluating 2019 cropping practices saw some subtle and more significant shifts in strip-till practices. Average strip-till corn yields topped 200 bushels per acre for the third straight year, while soybean yields remained north of 60 bushels per acre. More than 300 farmers from 35 states who identified themselves as strip-tillers responded to the 50-question survey from Strip-Till Farmer. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, supported by AgriSolutions, we compare and contrast equipment setups, burn building preferences, nutrient management strategies, and more that strip-tillers are putting to work on their operation. If you're not familiar, our annual benchmark study covers the prior year's cropping season. So in this case, we'll be taking a look at some of the practices that shaped strip tillers operations in 2019. And just a little background here on our study, we had more than 300 farmers participate from 35 different states and Canada. And these are all folks who identified themselves as strip tillers. It was a 50 question survey. And as you can see, some of the things that we broke down are geographic and demographics. We'll take a little bit of a look at yield comparisons among different strip-till systems and also some other tillage systems. We'll touch on equipment setups in terms of burn building strategies and the size and row widths of different units that farmers are using along with a little bit of brand comparison. We'll certainly talk a little bit about cover cropping incorporation, some of the varieties that strip-tillers are using and some of the seeding methods. We'll dig into nutrient management practices looking at some of the most common fertilizers that strip-tillers are applying on their acreage and then we'll conclude with one of the key elements that most strip tillers will point to with a successful strip till operation and that's precision farming technology. So let's dig in here and just talk a little bit about the geographic breakdown from our strip till benchmark study and this is pretty typical year to year with what we've seen. Primarily we're going to see the majority I guess you could say the sweet spot of strip tillers coming from within the corn belt and as you can see there about 42 percent of our respondents are typically coming from within those states. And certainly anecdotally, being out on farms and visiting with strip tillers, we are going to see a lot of the pockets, a lot of area 
area, certainly the most popular adoption of strip till in a bit of a widespread area is going to come within those green states there that you can see on the screen. Just kind of digging a little deeper, probably not surprisingly, we had the most responses come from Illinois, followed by Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Ohio. So again, it's been interesting though. We've certainly seen some movement in other parts of the country in terms of adoption, particularly talking with more strip tillers in the Northeast region and New York State in particular have heard certainly some momentum in that area for adoption of strip till, particularly incorporating with different dairy operations to diversify some of those farming practices out there. So that's just kind of a quick overview of who participated in our study this year and kind of taking a look. And we like to try to do this every year and just kind of pull out a few of the highlights here that spotlight some of the demographics and the trends that we're seeing within the audience that we serve. So kind of some quick hitting stats there. Typically, and particularly within the last year, about 73% of our respondents are going to be 45 or older. Probably not a surprise to anyone. Overall, we're seeing a shift in kind of the generational transition on farms with the general aging of the farm population. And certainly, again, visiting with different farmers, seeing some of that firsthand with some of the younger generation starting to jump in on strip till systems, um, kind of push those systems within some of the operations that either their parents or grandparents may have started and looking to really advance those, prepare them for the future. So just a couple other numbers to highlight here, seeing about 75% of the farms that are participating in our study, about 2,000 acres or less, roughly 70% of respondents have been strip tilling 10 years or less and a fairly high adoption of RTK correction there, as you can see, with about 75%, which is actually you know a little surprising. You'd think that number might be a little bit higher, particularly with strip till and how important accuracy of building those berms and then planting into them is in an effective system. And again, we'll get into the yields data a little bit later, but just a quick snapshot there of what we saw on average for strip till corn and soybean yields from last year as reported in our study. A little bit further breakdown here of kind of the acreage per farm. On average, we saw about a little over 700 acres of corn strip tilled in 2019, about 460 acres of soybeans per farm. So we've seen those numbers fluctuate over the years. We've seen those drop a little bit here over the last couple of years, but generally kind of staying within that range. A little bit further breakdown there to a farm size in terms of a thousand acres or less, roughly about 5% farming more than 5,000 acres. So as you'll hear from certainly one of those uh, presenters here throughout the course of the event here, Brandon Hunt, who operates in Herndon, Kentucky, about 11,000 acre strip till operation. So uh, he's going to be actually talking a little bit about how to scale your strip till operation, either up or down, and making sure some of the experiments you're conducting are going to relate to the, the size of farm you have. So when you're thinking about those large acre operations, there's certainly a place for strip till there, and obviously within some of the smaller operations that we're seeing as well. No surprise here that obviously corn is by far the most popular strip till crop. You know, that certainly hasn't really changed over the years that we've been tracking data. And you can see roughly about half the respondents talked about strip tilling soybeans in 2019. Digging a little deeper here into some of the yield figures that we took away from the study here. And we're fortunate that we also conduct our no-till practices benchmark study. And we're able to kind of draw some comparative data from earlier in the year when that study was conducted. Also taking a look at 2019 cropping practices. But you can kind of see a little bit of a historical analysis there of yields for corn and soybeans comparing both strip-till and no-till. And pulled the no-till data from our no-till study. And this has been 
been pretty historically representative here, seeing typical strip-till yields, both for corn and soybeans that tend to outperform a no-till. And certainly thinking about the different areas and regions, looking at what we've seen as far as, I guess, the yield averages. Obviously, you can see some variability there in terms of plains and west you know, versus the southeast in terms of corn. Fairly dramatic swing there. Certainly, uh, when looking at the soybean yields between the corn belt and what they're seeing in the northeast, taking into account growing conditions and really probably the type of systems that farmers have there as far as how they have their strip-till system set up, how they define it. Certainly, there's going to be some differences there in terms of what their expectations are and what their primary goals are. But again, just a kind of a quick snapshot there of some of the five-year trend that we're seeing comparing no-till and strip-till. So one of the other areas we dig into is just taking a look at burn building strategies and methods, comparing the timing of strip-till for our audience. And as you can see, certainly some differences here year over year, and particularly with fall strip-till and the percentage of farmers that preferred that in 2018 versus the number that preferred that last year. And obviously, with the kind of conditions that farmers dealt with nationally were not ideal, and in many cases, not very conducive to getting out there to actually get berms built last fall with the way harvest went and really extended for some farmers actually into 2020. So not particularly that surprising. You can also see a little bit of an uptick in spring strip till there. And I'd imagine some of that's represented for this year in terms of farmers that got out there and tried to get those berms built ahead of planting. And then also a little bit of an uptick there in terms of both farmers that maybe had traditionally looked to build fall berms, maybe were able to get out there to a certain extent last fall and perhaps had to get back out in the field then this spring. A fairly small percentage that refresh strips this spring, but it represent the highest total from what we've seen. And another 25% said that they will sometimes refresh. So that was also a high. So taking a look at just the row unit setups that strip tillers prefer on their strip till rigs, historically shank system has been one of the more popular setups. Interesting though, a pretty dramatic rise in the Coulter system for 2019, which was interesting, a high for what we saw in terms of the last five years with our study. And really the first time that we've seen that system more preferred than the shank setup. In terms of size, uh, most popular size, still a 12 road rig that's been pretty consistent over the years. Saw a little bit of a drop in terms of the 16 row units that are being run from a high that we saw in 2018. And then a little bit there on residue management. Probably not terribly surprising the high percentages there. Farmers that are using row cleaners either on the planter or the strip till rig clear out those rows, create that ideal seed bed and planting condition. And then obviously everybody talks about residue management really starting with the combine. And you can see about a quarter there size residue with combine attachments as well. So one of the questions we also ask with the study, and this is just to try to get a sense for brand preference in terms of what our audience is, is running in the field. And this isn't an exclusive. We do ask that respondents check any and all of the different brands that they're using. So certainly there are farmers that may be running one brand of unit in the spring, another in the fall, depending on their setup and their preference. So may have two different units that they run at the same time each season. So, I mean, that's certainly been the case on farms I've been out to, but you can just get a look Look here comparatively over the last couple of years for how the brand breakdown amongst respondents has kind of played out. And we just kind of grabbed the top 10 here from what we've seen. So and that just gives you kind of a bit of a picture on kind of what's out there in the field.
So we also like to take a look just at what's on the horizon and what were some of the equipment additions that farmers made here both uh, last year and what they're either looking to add in 2020 or some things that they uh, perhaps have already added and just kind of getting a percentage breakdown of what are some of the equipment priorities. And you can see, I mean, planter attachments and tractors are both one and two on either list there. And strip till toolbar and row units are also up there as far as looking at additions that farmers might be making either this year or have already added to in 2019. Again, just kind of a little bit of looking back, a little bit of looking forward there as far as uh, what's on the horizon with uh, some of those equipment purchases. So transitioning now a little bit into cover crops and everybody may be familiar with the first annual cover crop strategies survey that we conducted earlier this year, which we had a tremendous response to and we've been rolling out coverage of that analysis and data both on our cover crop strategies website and through our strip-till farmer and no-till farmer site as well, but that was far broader covering a range of tillage systems in terms of cover crop adoption and application. So for some very detailed analysis and detailed coverage of what's going on in terms of adoption and application and incorporation, seeding, grazing, different purchases, varieties that farmers are using, I'd encourage you to check out that information as well, which you can find uh, primarily on our cover crop strategy site. But for the purposes of this, I'm just kind of breaking it out into what we've seen among our strip-till audience. You can see on increasing percentage of adoption of our farmers that are seeding cover crops in cooperation with their strip-till system. So clearly growing and strip-till continues to be a hot topic as far as cover crops go. Annually for this conference, we tend to get a lot of feedback and a lot of interest about wanting to either have more roundtable coverage or session coverage on cover crops and strip-till. So again, we've tried to incorporate some of those opportunities for you on this year's program. So hopefully uh, you'll have an opportunity to take advantage of those. So just looking at the different varieties and what's the most popular amongst our strip-till crowd, I mean, we're seeing cereal rye by far be the most preferred variety that strip-tillers are seeing. This has been consistent for the last six years. And then you can see some of the other varieties that are more popular amongst strip-tillers. And it's always nice. We like to just see year over year what are some of the biggest changes in terms of what's getting seeded. And you can see a little bit of a drop there in cereal rye and rapeseed year over year, but a bit of a jump there in lentils and hairy bed. So just seeing some fluctuation year to year. I'm sure there's some different mixes that are being experimented with on the farm and trial and error is always a big part of cover cropping as any farmer will tell you and finding what works, what's most consistent, what are you having the most success with is a big part of that. So just kind of extending some of the cover crop discussion here, looking at some of the most popular seeding methods that are preferred by strip tillers, drilling them in historically kind of been the most popular method, spreading and aerial application, which we actually saw a bit of an increase over last year, as you can see, and smaller percentage of farmers seeding with a high boy application. But again, a variety of ways that strip tillers are getting those cover crops seeded at a variety of different times throughout the year. So I know there were some challenges, certainly getting cover crops seeded last fall, again, with such a late harvest, but I did hear some good stories this spring from some farmers that did have some success getting a good cover established prior to harvest and then saw some good results in the field come spring. So that's encouraging. And we talked a little bit about multi-species. You could see about 43% seeded one or more cover crops in uh, 2019. And then the kind of the most popular timing there is seeding covers within 24 hours of harvest. So still farmers being able to get out there and get those covers seeded either pre-harvest or right after harvest in 2019. We'll get back to the analysis shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions, for making this podcast possible. 
Improve performance and durability with a wide range of infield solutions to advance your strip-till system. To learn more about AgriSolutions and their three main brands, Belota, Ingersoll, and Trinity Logistics, visit agrisolutionscorp.com. Let's get back to the program now and dig more into the 2020 strip-till benchmark study results, looking at nutrient management strategies for strip-tillers. So shifting over to nutrient management and fertilization, we just pulled together here a top 10 list of the most popular fertilizers that are being applied with a strip-till pass. And you can kind of see there, the potash is far and away the most commonly applied fertilizer with that strip-till pass. And the majority, it's going to be a banded application, although that was interesting. It had been kind of the lowest total in the history of our survey, just under 60% there. This is a question too that we asked in our no-till study as well about the percentage of strip-tillers that are owning their own sprayer. And in both cases, it's dramatically high, north of 80% historically. So obviously seeing strip tillers that are doing a lot of their own applications. In a lot of cases, split applications too. Maybe there's a wide drop system involved, getting out there early, making those side dress applications as well throughout the years. I think that would reinforce the percentage of farmer-owned sprayers that we're seeing amongst those audiences. So moving into precision adoption here, and this is kind of an area that I focus on more specifically across a few of our titles here, but we talked earlier about the 75% adoption and use of RTK correction guidance, but like we do with the Stripto brand breakdown, we also do a little bit of analysis here on what types of brands our audience is using in terms of guidance. And as you can see, I mean, heavily toward John Deere, but a number of brands represented here. Always interesting to see the percentage that say they don't use GPS when they're strip tilling. Not something that I've necessarily come across much visiting farmers. Most that I'm visiting with are very into their guidance systems and very dedicated as far as having that accuracy and seeing it as a necessity in their strip-till system. And most will say that was kind of a motivator for them to get into strip-till. So seeing that accuracy be available to make sure they're planting directly into that berm that they created. Then kind of looking at some of the other technologies that certainly play into a strip-till system here. I know unmanned aerial vehicles or drones have been talked about for a number of years now in terms of how they're being applied, not only in strip-till operations, but just farm-wide and we've seen somewhat steady growth there in terms of strip tillers utilizing the tool on their farm and visiting with our 2020 strip till innovator recipients this year who will be featured during the program here and they've been longtime advocates and adopters of drone technology and uh, had the opportunity to visit their operation a few years ago and get a good firsthand look of how they were actually crunching numbers out of what they were collecting in the field that really had a pretty substantial impact on their nutrient management and some real dollars there that they were able to save based on some of the infield assessments and the imagery that they were able to process and then turn that around, particularly with their irrigated fields and some of the fertigation that they were doing with their strip-tilled crops and being able to kind of really dial into how they were placing that fertilizer and where it was needed. So there is, I mean, there's examples out there, certainly some real value that's being gained from UAV adoption. And I think it'll be interesting to see if that continues to grow. And I know there's still some level of momentum there for that technology and seeing where it goes in the future. The other element that I think farmers say will pair up quite nicely with a strip-till system is implement guidance. And we've seen that adoption, as you can tell, grow pretty steadily in the last six years. And we had an 
all-time high of more than 34% this year of our respondents saying that they're using some level, whether it's active or passive implement guidance on their strip till operation. So clearly some building momentum there when you're talking about use of that technology and some of the benefits. Again, I'd be curious to see if that continues to climb in the years to come and ultimately what kind of overall adoption we'll have with that. So one of the other questions like we did with equipment is we like to get a sense for what technology farmers are planning to purchase or plan to purchase for the coming year here. And as you can see, we talked about this at the outset, and this was shown on kind of the snapshot slide of a typical strip tiller, the current state of variable rate seeding and fertilizer. So both of the uh, outlooks for those in terms of adding those features to a strip till system were north of 50%. So clearly high interest there or high intention to add that technology to strip tillers operation here. And again, implement guidance, as we talked about, kind of being on the upswing, you can see there too, certainly some momentum followed by data management, remote support, and then irrigation. So just a few of those things that farmers have, at least on their technology wish list or plans to uh, add here in coming year as far as precision technologies. One of the final questions we ask on our survey is looking at what's on a strip tiller's wish list. If they could wave a magic wand, look into their crystal ball, what are some things that they would really like to see either developed or added to their system? Maybe it's things that aren't available. It could be very futuristic, far out looking type things. But inevitably, I think we're always going to see some things that probably are fairly realistic and probably could bring some real value. Here's just a couple of the ones that I kind of pulled out from the responses that we saw. And again, these are things that some are coming very soon. Some are in development. Some I'm sure are being thought about. Some are available. And I think it's just a matter of figuring out what's a good fit for your operation. Where can these different technologies or equipment or practices or even methods kind of make sense, make a difference in terms of uh, improving the profitability and productivity of your operation. So I always appreciate the opportunity to look at this question. I love to see what strip tillers have. It's a question I ask when I visit farmers too is, you know, I'm always curious what's next for your strip till operation. Where do you want to take it? What do you see coming as far as how you want to evolve it and improve it? And there's always ideas. I mean, um, I don't think I've met anybody yet who has said, no, I, I think I'm taking this about as far as I can and I don't really see any room for improvement. So I think there's always something and it could be something in the next week, could be something in the next year, maybe in the next five years, but there's always some ideas there that strip tillers have as far as uh, what they want to do to improve, whether it's the next cropping season or some further down the road, but that always makes for interesting conversations. Well, again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, AgriSolutions, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest Strip-Till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free Strip-Till Strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2020 podcast series. For AgriSolutions and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Zenlicka. Thanks for listening.